Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Oderico, and joining me is LBJ professional Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts. We're broadcasting live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network, bringing you some of the best golfers, teacher professionals, and entrepreneurs helping to elevate women's golf. We're so glad you decided to join us this morning, so grab your coffee and let's get started. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome to the Women of Golf Show. I'm Ted Odorico, and right alongside each and every uh, week is none other than Legends Tour player and LPGA professional, Cindy Miller, and we are your hosts here on the Women of Golf. Good morning, Cindy. Good morning, Ted. How are you? I'm doing very well. Welcome back. Uh, you were off last week, and we're going we're gonna to talk about what you were up to uh, in just a moment, but let me just remind everybody... Uh, that we are live every Tuesday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Eastern here on the blogtalkradio.com network. And uh, we've got a great show for you. Uh, a little bit of change to this morning's programming, and I'll tell you about that in just a minute. But let me remind you that sponsors of the Women of Golf uh, is uh, brought to you by the iGolf Sports Network and Golf Tips Magazine. iGolf Sports is a live stream broadcast and media production company providing top quality programming designed to attract the golfing enthusiast and golf tips the game's most in-depth instruction magazine, offering insightful reviews on the latest equipment, tips from top PGA and LPGA teacher professionals, all designed to help improve your game from tee to green. So subscribe today. Go to golftipsmag.com. As I mentioned, uh, just a slight uh, program change. Uh, this morning we were going to be joined by Casey Danielson uh, from the Smetra Tour, but unfortunately she had to cancel last minute. Uh, she was a third alternate in an upcoming LPGA event and is uh, mid-travel, if you will. So she's not going to be able to join us, unfortunately. Um, so in its place, we're going to throw in another no BS zone. Uh, we're going to talk about five tips to help uh, pre and post shot. And then a little bit later on, we're going to be joined by Kathy Kim. Uh, she is an LPGA and PGA uh, teach professional. She's also a TPI uh, fitness professional, and she's a newly uh, appointed Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 instructor. And I know she's very, very excited to be part of the golf tips team so we're going to talk to her about that and more a little bit later on but first um before we get into the no bs zone cindy uh you were off last week uh, remind us uh, what you were up to and tell us how it went well children's hospital of buffalo had a 100 hole marathon to raise money for the hospital for children's hospital of buffalo and so our son jamie who's a good player um, he was going to play the 100 holes, which I would have done too if he had asked me, but they had to raise money by how many birdies, how many eagles, all that stuff. And he said, hey, Mom, why don't you play 18 of the holes with me and help me raise more money? And I said, okay, I would love to do that. Well, he ended up getting some local celebs, if you will, to participate in this 100-hole marathon and play 18 holes here and there. And I was able to play with um, a very good player from the country club of Buffalo, Mrs. Derrick, and Patty Thompson, who is Thurman Thompson's, Thomas's wife from the Buffalo Bills, former Buffalo Bills NHL or NFL Hall of Fame. And then, um, so the three of us played our 18 holes, and we had an absolute ball. We raised, um, Jamie and I raised $8,000. And I think wow. the day raised like $85,000. Now, I got to tell you, wow. my kid, yeah, so they had <laughs> people that would say, I'll donate money for every birdie and eagle. And in the 100 holes that Jamie Miller played, he made 34 birdies and two eagles. Wow. Wow, right? that's incredible. Yeah, that's just yeah. that's. We got to have them on the show just so I can cuss them out. That just—that's not—that's not human. That's just incredible. That's just incredible. Right? Wow, what a great, and I'm like, uh, holy cow! <laughs> well, then the funny thing is, later in the week, the LPGA had a virtual pro am, and 
I thought, oh, I don't have time to do this. So I had so much fun playing with these women. I said, hey, is there any chance? I've already paid. I donated the money to the LPGA Virtual Pro-Am. And I said, any way you guys could play again on Friday morning at 8.30? And they said, well, yeah. And I'm like, okay, let me ask the head pro because I love this club. And, I, you know, it's Craig Byrne Golf Club, and it's awesome. And um, he said, yeah, no problem. So we go out, Chelsea D'Antonio, which Chelsea's been on our show, and she's going to turn pro maybe right. next year. And then Patty Thomas and Mrs. Derek and I, and we shot 16 under par, gross, right? And I'm thinking, oh, mm-hmm. we're going to kick butt here. We came in fourth. There was a team wow. in the LPGA Virtual Pro-Am that shot 21 under gross, which I'd like to see that. Yeah. Because I'm not sure. Like, really? That's magical. Yeah. But anyway, we had a great time. We raised a lot of money for charities. And we, the LPGA Virtual Pro-Am raised $56,000. Wow, that's great. For the Renee you know, Powell Foundation. Is- Speaking of Renee Powell, we need to have her on again. Yes, yes. I agree. Let's let's uh, let's make that happen. Um, you know, one of the really great things, just very quickly, I, and then we we need to move on. Um, you know, it just goes to show you, and we've talked about this um, a while back on the show, but I think it's worth you know mentioning again. Just the amazing amount of money that gets raised by so many golf events and charities and so on and so forth, more than any other game or sport on the planet. I mean, there are tournaments, there are events that go on uh, all year long. Obviously, this year, uh, I'm sure uh, it's not going to be maybe quite as spectacular as as in previous years just because of all that's going on. But nonetheless, um, I mean, there are literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of events and pro-ams and everything you can imagine that goes on in – you know, in the U.S. here every single year and just the millions and millions, in fact, billions of dollars that gets raised is just just is astonishing. And, um, you know, it's just it's just amazing. It, it just blows my mind when I think about it. And I had a gentleman and the name escapes me, but I had a gentleman on uh, Golf Talk Live several years ago who actually wrote a book about the different charity tournaments and things. And I forget how many there were. And it was just amazing. And he said that through his uh, studies, uh, when he was getting ready to write his book, uh, he said that golf by far was above every other sport out there. Not that the others don't do a great job too. Don't get me wrong. Any, anything to raise money for charities I think is, is spot on. But he said golf by far, no other sport on this planet was even close to the money that is raised through golf charity tournaments like what you played this past weekend. Absolutely. Just, it, it's amazing. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's amazing. And, you know, when you can do some good things like that for, you know, especially helping out, uh, you know, children's hospitals and things like that. I know the Nicholases uh, have done that for years. I know um, Arnold Palmer and, and Winnie and, and, and uh, you know, his group have, have done some uh, very similar work over the years, always doing things to give back. And, uh, you know, uh, it just always astonishes me when I hear great stories. And, and congrats to, to Jamie for uh, knocking him in the hole. Wow, that's, uh, that's fantastic. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I used to like him, but I don't, I don't anymore because he just makes me sick. No, he's just he's a great guy and a young, great young man, and he's a as they say a chip off the old block. So kudos to him and congratulations on on you guys uh, raising some money. All right, so let's enter the no BS zone, Cindy, and we're going to talk about uh, just a few tips here to help uh, pre and post shots. The first three are going to be really pre shot and then uh, post shot, if you will, and everybody will understand. So. Uh, the first one, Cindy, is decisions. Uh, before we hit any shot, there's always several decisions uh, that need to be made and, and various different elements to take into account. Factors uh, to take into account uh, might include the wind, uh, flag position, uh, grain, etc. Depending on the shot, if you're on the green, you're going to want to see what the grain's doing. Um, all that information, and there's others that uh, are included in that, uh, help you decide what might be the best shot, the best shape, and maybe even the best club that uh, are going to be uh, considered uh, before you actually take the shot. So, Cindy, when you were out on tour, when you go out and you play, 
Uh, obviously, this was an important part. Maybe you can kind of walk through a little bit what you used to do <clears throat> and what you particularly were paying attention to uh, when you were in that decision-making process before each shot. Well, when you walk up to the ball, first you look at the lie. And what's the lie look like? Is it sitting down? Is it a good lie? Is it a bad lie? Are you in a divot? What's, what's the lie? Because the lie is going to dictate the shot that you choose. That's the number one thing. Then you look at the yardage. And then you look at what's the wind doing? Uh, what's the weather like? Because it's starting to get chillier up here. It was 43 this morning. Mm-hmm. And Ooh. because the colder it is, the less the ball will fly. The warmer it is, the ball will fly a little further. And then you want to, what I do, is I figure out playable yardage. So from the lie and the yardage and the wind and the temperature, what's the playable yardage? So you might have 100 yards to the hole, and it might be, uh, the wind might be blowing in your face. It might be playing 115 and then you acknowledge stupid. And what I mean by mm-hmm. that is you say, <laughs> where would stupid hit this ball? And stupid would hit the ball in the bunker and bury it in the lip. Now, what I've learned in all my years of playing and blowing it is that your mind doesn't hear a negative. So when you say to yourself, don't hit it in the bunker, you jerk, your brain hears, hit it in the bunker, you jerk. So I've right. created acknowledge stupid to say, oh, that's where stupid would go. How do I avoid mm-hmm. stupid and play <laughs> away from it? So it might be, you know, if the bunker's on the front left, I'm going to aim long right. So you're not even mm-hmm. aiming at the pin most times. You're aiming at, at an area of the green that is where smart would go instead of stupid. Right. And then all that stuff gets weighed into the decision-making process and say, okay, I want to hit it 115 and I'm going to the back right. What club do I need to use to do that? And then if you're between clubs, let's say, you know, oh, well, I hit my pitching wedge 100, I hit my 9-iron 110, I hit my 8-120. Well, do you want to hit 9 hard or you want to take 8 and grip down on it or take a three-quarter swing? So all that stuff comes into play. And then you have to stop and say, am I comfortable with this decision? Mm-hmm. And if you're not, don't choose the club. Don't choose the shot. Redo the whole decision-making process. Because when you're standing over the ball and you have doubt and apprehension, I can guarantee you you're going to miss the shot. So that's what right. I do. Right, right, well, and and uh, great points. Um, and and the other thing too, uh, I just want to point out because you mentioned some yardage there. Um, the other thing that a lot of amateurs, and I think you would agree with this, playing in a lot of pro ams, is they they look at the total yardage that they need to to uh, go, whether it be one fifteen, one twenty, one twenty five, whatever it might be. But they don't factor in what the actual carry yardage that they're hitting. So when they're selecting a club, they're looking at the end result. And a lot of times this is where I think many amateurs end up falling short because they may need it to go, let's say, 130. Um, so they're pulling out a club that they think that they need to go 130. And a lot of times that's not the actual distance they need to carry. That's where they want the ball to end up is about 130 yards. So they might actually have to either down club one or in some cases, depending on the circumstance, may actually have to up club one. So knowing how far you hit your clubs the actual distance that you hit is the carry distance. Don't factor in because not every one are you going to roll five or ten extra yards depending on the on the lie and, and uh, what the, the turf is that day. So that's something, too, that people have to understand is when you're out there on the practice team warming up, you need to understand how far you're actually carrying each club because otherwise Absolutely. your yardage is right. You know, you know what I'm talking about. A lot of people miss that boat. Uh, especially our amateurs. So some great points. I just wanted to add that in there because I think that gets, you know, uh, sometimes overlooked as well by many amateurs. Uh, number two is feel. Um, and what I'm talking about there is, is making a small practice swing of, of some description is always a great idea to give you some sort of feel of what you're about to do. Um, a lot of people just get up there and they kind of do a half choppy little thing and they get up there or they, some people just walk up and hit the ball. 
Um, but depending on the type of shot, Cindy, that you might need to make, maybe uh, you know, you're needing a little bit of a fade to get in there or draw, um, you actually have to practice. So it's a good idea to get field. Tiger, or, uh, I mean, all the top pros do that, but Tiger was, was infamous for doing that. When he needed to hit uh, uh, a fade or he needed to cut the ball, uh, he would practice a swing that would be conducive to that. Um, talk a little bit about feel from that perspective. <clears throat> Tell me what you mean. Talk about feel well, from what perspective. Yeah, I mean, what I mean is is what we want to do. We've We've made the decision now. We need to feel the shot. So we need to feel the shot. So, again, if we're going to hit a fade – we need to swing like we're hitting a fade because it is different. We're obviously going to hold off uh, on the club a little bit. We're not going to turn our hands over or that sort of thing. So what is it that we need to be feeling or what is it we need to do at this point after we've made our decision, we're committed to the shot, now we need to practice that swing in order to make sure we're going to execute the shot we want. Does that make sense? Well, yeah, but what I would tell you, <laughs> this is going to sound bad, but yeah, but you're – Plug your ears. Um, most people can't hit the ball straight on purpose and know right. what their swing thoughts and feels are. So I wouldn't even be talking about how to fade it or draw it. I would say I'm going to hit this straight and I'm going to aim, you know, to the right of the pin or to the right of the bunker, right, and hit this 115-yard shot with the right club. And I'm just going to try to make my normal swing. And if it fades or it draws a little bit, so be it. If I aim where it's safe, either shot should work out fine. So the catch is, can I hit the ball fairly straight with the club that I've got? And, you know, I wouldn't get too fancy with trying to work the ball. If you can't hit it straight on purpose and have a swing thought and feel, don't even think about working the ball. (laughs) I knew you were going to say that. Um, no, you're well, exactly right. The catch right. is and, you're going to double cross it. What if you double cross? So what's a double cross for our listeners? You know, it, it, you're trying to fade it and you pull hook it. Now you're dead. <laughs> you know? Yeah. We want to learn how to score better. Just learn how to hit it straight on purpose. And if you don't know how, email right. me, Cindy at CindyMillerGolf.com. I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> Great plug. Um, number three, Visualize. This one I think everybody can do. Visualize, visualizing the shot before you play it is one of the most important parts. Obviously, again, going back to your point, you know, if you're not somebody that has the ability uh, to work the ball, but you still need to visualize what it is you want to do. Where do you want it to land? Where, have you picked a target out? That sort of thing. Talk about visualizing what we want to do. Well, when you walk up to it, again, you know, this is – I'm going to backtrack here for a second. Alan and I do um, – uh, a course called Improve Your Game from the Inside Out. And and so what we do is we have a slide that there's a picture of a green, like an island green, like 17 at Sawgrass, right? And there's a bunker mm-hmm. left, and then there's the pin, and we ask the attendees or the students, what do you see? And they see the water in the bunker. Well, Alan and I see long right. So we see safe. So I would challenge our listeners to stop and ask themselves, what do they see? And are they looking at where they don't want to hit it or where they do want to hit it? And then when they look at where they do want to hit it, you know, they should say, how am I going to swing? What's the shot that I visualize or see where I want to hit the ball, right? And, and mm-hmm. everybody can do that, but I'm just warning you to make sure that you're seeing the right thing and not making yourself more stressed out by visualizing, you know, oh, God, don't go in the bunker. Or, I don't know what I'm right. seeing. So do you want to hit it high? Do you want to hit it low? What kind mm-hmm. of shot is your best play from this position? Right. And, and, and exactly. And, and I think the idea is really just to – to get an idea of once you again once you've picked your target, whether it be you know if you're hitting uh, even not even to the green, but maybe you're on the tee box and you want to hit into a certain part of the fairway, 
Um, maybe you want to hit to the left side or you want to hit to the right side uh, in order to put yourself in a better position. You need to pick a target. You need to be able to visualize, okay, what do I need? And it may not be the most pretty shot. Uh, again, if you're a, a, a very high handicapper, you may not striking it very solid yet. But again, you still need to, it's good to get into the practice. Okay, this is where I want to put the ball. Um, again, you're not working it. You're just adjusting your aim a little bit. So it's good to visualize what it is you want to do because it adds confidence. It says, okay, this is what I want to do. And even if it doesn't come off perfect, at least you've made a commitment. And that's really the key that we're, we're trying to stress here. Um, next one, number four, is actually commit to the trigger or, or hitting the shot. So once you've seen the shot in your head and you've done all the other uh, previous steps that we just talked about, you're ready now to actually execute and hit the shot. Um, what do we do at this point, Cindy? Because it's, uh, again, um, I, I think a lot of people just sort of walk up to the ball and they hit it. Um, this is where what we talked about is really part of the pre-shot routine. Uh, but a lot of uh, professionals recommend that when you get up and set up over the ball, that you have some sort of a trigger, if you will, in order to, because the ball is stationary, unlike other sports, um, you want to have some sort of a trigger uh, to initiate uh, your backswing. Um, what are some, maybe some good ones that you can think of? And um, what are some things that you've seen maybe that, eh, uh, are counter and, and, and counterproductive, for lack of better words. I think it's important for you to know whether you're audiovisual or kinesthetic. Do you want to see it, feel it, or mm. hear it? I think it's really important that that will help you create a swing thought feel, right? So I happen to be mm. a visual auditory. While I'm standing mm-hmm. over the ball, I, I picture that I, I'm spiked to a pole, I can't move, right? And that mm-hmm. I and then I, I just I do a mantra, swing, hinge, kill. So uh, that's my thought. My feeling is, is to let the club head go, you know, let it rip. But you have to, I, you know, it's funny that you say this because um, you have to have some kind of a simple right-brained thought while you're swinging. So many people don't think anything, and that's when yeah. the gerbils will show up. Look out! The water! You know. Ah! <laughs> right. <laughs> right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, and, and, and really what I'm talking about, Cindy, is, you know, Jack Nicklaus is an example. used to have a lot of golfers do, but Jack famously, of course, had a little bit of a waggle. He'd get over there, and he'd look down uh, the target, uh, he'd look down the, the line of, of flight, and he'd uh, look at his target, and he'd waggle the club a little bit. And you, you didn't see him really, uh, you know, some players don't ground the club, uh, um, especially off the tee box. They don't ground it. They hover it a little bit uh, over over uh, in behind the ball, and then they, they pull the trigger. Uh, others, you know, drop it behind, and... Uh, there's very little movement and maybe uh, in the club uh, itself, but maybe what they might do is there might be a forward uh, press of the shaft. They might just slightly do a very slight forward press of the shaft um, and, and then pull the trigger and others um, don't do anything at all, but it's good to have something and you have to find something that works for you because again, if you go from a completely stationary position it's very, very difficult, especially if you've got your, uh, your club grounded uh, you know, on the tee box. Um, a lot of times people end up dragging it along the grass or they, they snatch it up real quick um, and they get out of sequence. So I think it's good to have that, but you're right. You, you have to kind of find what works for you, and this is something that your teach professional or your coach can help you with uh, to develop uh, the right uh, pre-shot routine for you. And then also uh, when it's time to hit that shot, uh, maybe develops uh, some sort of a cue. Some even there, if for right-handed golfers, they might just slightly uh, press in their right knee just a, a little bit, uh, just to initiate the backswing. So find what works for you, um, and uh, I think you'll you'll be well on your way. The last one is uh, again sort of falls into uh, the post shot, and that is react. Uh, although the golf ball has already left the club face, and you're uh, your reaction can be a key part of the next pre-shot routine. Uh, if you hit a bad <laughs> shot, a negative overreaction, right, right, uh, uh, can often cost you when it comes to the next shot. Uh, carrying negative thoughts from one shot to another uh, creates uh, frustration and anxiety with 
which are two things that will cause definitely cause damage to your score. So let's talk about that, Cindy. We've all hit some uh, really great shots out there, but we've all hit some bad shots. Is is too much made of reaction afterwards, or is it an important factor to consider? And what should be our reaction? Totally. Well. I tell people they've got three seconds to react and then they have to respond and then they have to recover. So it's, and and here's one that we talked about this a few weeks ago. Watch your ball until it's done, until it stops. Mm -hmm. Because if you go, oh, and you turn around and flip over and you don't see where the ball goes, then you can't find your ball. And I hate playing with people that I got to search for their ball in every shot. That's like a total pain in the butt. Nobody wants to play with yeah. you if we have to look for your golf ball all day. So watch where your ball goes till the end. You've got three seconds to react, and then you have to respond and say, okay, what did I just do, and then recover. Say, okay, I'm going to do better next time. Most people miss shots, more shots, mm-hmm. more and more and more and more shots than any, you know. It, it, the tour players that make the most money have missed more shots than everybody else. Why? Well, because that's right. what they do for a living. That's exactly Yeah, that's exactly right. And, you know, I, I think it's okay. You know, a lot of people, you know, we hear a lot of um, talk in the industry, uh, especially from some of our, our mental coaches that, well, you, you know, you, you, you can't, you know, can't get upset and, uh, you know, you don't want to be angry about the shot. But some tour players out there say, you know what, if, I'm, if I get upset for just a few seconds after and get that, that negative energy out, then I'm good. If I don't expel that negative energy um, from my body, then it builds up and it festers, and the next thing you know, I'm carrying it to the next hole. What do you think about that? I think that's a, a, a valid point because, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, we all hit a really bad shot. Maybe you've ricocheted off a tree or something, or, or uh, you know, you've hit it into the into a thick, gnarly rough, and you know it's going to be a bad shot. You're angry because the the shot you visualized didn't come through, so now you're pissed. Is it a good idea to, to expel that energy and get it out and, and before you move on? And I don't mean be whipping your clubs or beating up your, your competitor, but um, sometimes you just need to, to get that negative energy out of your body. What do you think? Yeah, you do. You do. You do. And then, you know, okay, I just – the beautiful thing about golf is that it's you, the club, the ball, and the course. And the ball goes where the face points. And you're the only one holding the club to make the face point there. So until you realize that, and then you understand that you might be making stupid mistakes with the club in your hands, and then you're willing to look in the mirror, then you can fix it. But again, you know, yeah, you can get ticked off, but most times your bad swings come from bad decisions and not committing. Right. Sorry, but right, that's exactly. the truth. Yeah, and, and that's that's why I wanted to, to touch on uh, the points that we did today because it, it really is is important to understand each of them, um, you know, before you actually execute the shot because you know you have to have a, a good pre-shot routine. You need to be able to um, you know to make a decision. You need to assess the situation for each shot. You need to make a decision. You need to kind of feel what you need to do. And again, obviously for better players, you know, they're going to be a little bit more advanced. Um, You need to visualize what it is you want to do, and then you need to commit to it, and you need to actually execute the shot. And even if it doesn't come out the way you hoped it did, um, then you need to to gauge uh, and and react accordingly. And if it's a bad shot, it's okay to to grunt and snort for a few seconds and and get it out of your system. Um, There's a lot of, I think, effective ways to do that. And again, um, you know, working with your, your professional, I think they can kind of help guide you a little bit there. Um, but it's okay to be upset at a shot. It's not okay to carry it on for the entire round. So get it out of your system, move on, and now regroup for your next shot and assess the situation and go through the process again. And just a, a caveat before we, we move on is all of these things that we talked about, uh, particularly the pre-shot uh, portion of it, should be no more than about 20 seconds, maybe 25 seconds at most. You don't need to spend a lot of time, um, you know, making these these decisions. And if you do find yourself having a lot of time, that's a great area, working on a pre-shot routine and developing that. That is a great thing to work with your teaching professional, helping you to get it down, help to make decisions quickly and informed um, 
before you, you get out there because the last thing you want to do, and we've seen this, and you see somebody out in the middle of the fairway and they're pacing and they're you know doing this, they're whip, throwing blades of grass up about 15 times and they're taking forever and then they get over the ball and they duff it 20 yards. It, it's yeah. just not necessary. So hit it straight and airborne and, and um, as Cindy always says, and if not, give her a call or send her an email. All right, we've got to move on, Cindy. Great, uh, great discussion on the No BS Zone this morning. All right, we're happy to have our very special guest join us the, uh, the second half of the show, uh, Kathy Kim. She's a PJ and LPJ teach professional and who loves to help golfers of all skill levels to achieve their personal and professional goals. Uh, she assesses the golfer's physical abilities, uh, listens to uh, the player's goals, and tailors a game plan that best fits the player. Uh, before starting a teaching career, uh, she played collegiate golf and attempted the road to the LPGA. Uh, she's taught at TPC Summerlin in Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, for five years before calling 1757 Golf Club home, uh, where she is now, and we'll talk to her about that. And one of her uh, personal missions is to diversify the game and make it an equal access sport for everyone to enjoy. So, Cindy, let's welcome our very special guest this morning, Kathy Kim. Good Hello. morning. Good morning. Good morning. How is everybody? How, we're doing great. How are you? I'm doing just great. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, so, awesome. Well, Thanks awesome. so much for having me on, guys. I really appreciate this. Great. Well, we appreciate it. And I, I neglected to mention a couple of things. Um, Kathy is based in Virginia. We'll get some more details on that. And more importantly, she is now part of the Golf Tips Magazine Top 25 Instructor List. And uh, she, I know, is, and I'll let her speak for herself, but I know she's very excited to be uh, recognized by the magazine. And she actually uh, sent in her first tip to the magazine for this upcoming issue, which will be out in a little bit. Uh, so welcome to the team first and foremost, and um, thank you for joining us this morning. Thanks so much, Ted. I am so honored to be a part of the Golf Tips Magazine family. Um, it's It's been a crazy ride, <laughs> but I was so happy to receive a phone call from you. Um, and yeah, I will do my best to live out my mission, um, and it seems like the Golf Tips Magazine uh, aligns with my mission, which is a big part of why I uh, wanted to be a part of your family. So thank you so much for that. Um, so yeah, well, let's get started. <laughs> yeah, it sounds good. Well, I always love uh, people that bring a lot of enthusiasm. And Cindy, of course, has, has been a part of the Golf Tips family for uh, a number of years now. And um, always uh, grateful for all that she does for the game. And uh, so you're, you're in good company. Uh, Cindy, I'm just going to start off real quick, and I, I want to ask um, Kathy a, a question that I, I like to ask, especially people that have never been on the show before uh, that are in golf, and, and that is why golf? What are who inspired you to play? Well, uh, so when I first started, it actually uh, – well, let me, let me start with this. My dad first started golfing. He was the first golfer in the family. Uh, not long after that, he found a PGA professional run summer camp and threw me into that camp, uh, just mainly as a means of babysitting. <laughs> and uh, from that point on, uh, one of the PGA professionals who was running the camp offered me free golf lessons. Uh, I don't know what he saw in my swing, but he said, uh, I will offer you free golf lessons. Let's get you started. And it was from that point on uh, that I was I had become a competitive golfer, <laughs> and so my entire golf almost my entire golf career I have been a competitive golfer through junior golf, collegiate golf, um, a little bit into the professional golf, and um, yeah, that's how I have lived my golf life. My family has been a part of that journey with me the entire way. Um, and thanks to that PGA professional who offered me those free golf lessons, um, that's that's why golf. And you know what? It's It's been such a full circle kind of experience for me to be able to return that kind of um, enthusiasm for the game. And, you know, I, I don't consider myself just to be a teacher of the game. I also consider myself to be an ambassador of the game. So, it's very important for me to give my best and to be able to 
work with junior golfers, beginner golfers, experienced golfers, and uh, be able to lend what I know and what I've experienced inside the golf industry and also, you know, inside the golf game itself to be able to help Mm -hmm. them out. Very good. Perfect. Um, Cindy, go ahead. What do you love most about teaching? Oh, gosh, Cindy, you probably understand this more than anybody. Um, so for me, it's, it's that moment when you're giving a lesson and you're, kind, you know, you're teaching that concept to them. You're going, okay, well, this is how it, you, know, you want to feel and this is how you want to be. And then all of a sudden they hit that ball and you see the sparks just flying their eyes widen and they just look up at you and they go they go oh my gosh that was amazing and they start laughing just uncontrollably and (laughs) it's it's that moment in which you feel like you're a part of uh just a little mini part of their success uh for that moment and those are the moments that i live for when i'm teaching um, and I think that's what really drives me when I teach is that I want everybody that I come across to find success in this amazing game. Um, and that's what, I, that's what I strive for, those little sparks of brilliance that I know everybody has. And it's just a matter of being able to dig it out of them and help them find that path to find it. What would you say is your perfect customer? Who would you say is your perfect customer? Um, so my perfect customer would be somebody that is eager, <laughs> so someone that's not there because somebody twisted their arm to be there. Um, but you know what? If they start that way, that's okay too. Um, it, it would be somebody that's interested in improving but also is not afraid to ask questions and challenge the status quo because you know, it's it's not just a me telling you what to do. It's it's us working together to help you understand your game and understanding that everybody's game is different, everybody's pace is different, and the growth is different. So, uh, the perfect student or the perfect customer for me is somebody that is willing to communicate openly and uh, that is willing to throw ideas back and forth. Uh, in order to find that awesome golf game that they have. Awesome. So, Kathy, let me ask you, um, and, you know, when when I was talking to you about coming on uh, board as one of the, the top 25 instructors with uh, golf tips, I, you know, talked to you, one of the one of the visions, and, you know, Cindy and I really have is, is obviously we want to um, – grow the game as a general rule, but particularly we want to really grow the game uh, in the women's market um, because it, it, it has such a huge potential, and that's one of the reasons why we do this show. Um, and statistically, at least a third, if not better than that, of all new golfers, especially over the last several seasons, even this season, um, are, are women getting into the game. Um, but like any new golfer, there's a difficulty and in, in that transitioning and in becoming a beginner into a, a player. And many have expressed a lot of fear and anxiety uh, getting out there. What are some of the, the fears and anxieties that you've heard from some of the female players, the newer players uh, or newer uh, beginners coming in uh, to this game? What, what's most important to them that kind of gives them a, a little bit of a pause? What do you think? Yeah, so um, I I hear a few of the things that I hear over and over again. Number one is they they don't want to feel out of place. And I totally understand that because when you go somewhere new, you're very self-conscious about, you know, how you're acting or what you're wearing and all of, you know, all of that stuff. And you just want to fit in. And I think that is a big barrier to um, entry-level women's golf because, you know, we just, we want to fit in. <laughs> so it, right. it's one of those challenges where I think it's up to the, first of all, if you're a beginner golfer, um, it doesn't matter whether you're a man or a woman, you're going to have questions. You're going to want to know basically like the, before the one-on-one golf, right? Before you're even, you're learning the golf swing, you want to know um, where to go, 
how to book a tea time, how to book a lesson, mm-hmm. how to find a golf instructor. Those are the questions that I think need to be answered um, more so by instructors like Cindy and I or active instructors like Cindy and I or even somebody that's experienced. And um, that's, the, that's the most common uh, concern that I get is, well, I don't want to feel out of place. How do I feel comfortable at a golf course or at a driving range that I've never been to? Because I feel like everyone is watching me. I feel so out mm-hmm. of place that everyone is watching me, and that's, that's the biggest one. Um, so my advice to the people that are out there that feel that way is reach out to a golf pro, LPGA professional, PGA professional, somebody that you feel like you can trust or maybe get to know. A golf lesson isn't just a swing lesson. You have them, ask mm-hmm. them all of the questions that you have about it, just so you feel comfortable and you can feel like you're a part of something. Um, the next fear that I get is um, I'm embarrassed on how I play. <laughs> so, I, you know, right. I'm a beginner golfer and I, I don't play as well as the other people that I, I see. So, you know, the people that I see fly the ball 150, 200, 300 yards, but I sometimes top it, you know, and I'm afraid that they're going to judge me. Um, but when I'm at the driving range, I feel like everyone is watching me mess up. And, you know, to be quite frank, no one is paying attention to you on the driving range because they're so engulfed right. in their own golf games <laughs> that they, they don't right. care. So the, the driving range is a place where everyone is going to hone their skill and no one else is going to be concerned about your golf game. Now, you know, as a female, you get the occasional males that just randomly come up to you and go, hey, um, I see that you're doing this with your golf swing. Uh, let me help you out right. with it. And um, for all of the females out there that are listening, uh, if you are working with a professional, um, I, I know that you're probably a nice person, but just make sure you respectfully decline their advice. <laughs> Because I've had students come back to me and say, hey, so-and-so or somebody on the range told me that I should be doing this. And that's, that's, like, that's like the worst thing you could probably hear as a teacher is that they took advice from a 30 handicapper, right, um, right. When, when that person doesn't really know any more than that she probably knows. So um, th- that's the second most uh, biggest fear is that just the embarrassment of not being able to strike the ball and feel like you're a good golfer. Yeah, I would agree. And and I think if I was um, advising that, uh, that woman, I, I would probably tell her to carry a can of mace in her golf bag or something <laughs> and just kind of give them a little, a little, <laughs> you know, um, you know, but you're, you're exactly right. I actually, it's funny that you mentioned that because about three weeks ago I was up, on a range locally here and I was just hitting some balls, just having some fun and, and nothing, you know, doing anything particular. And there was a woman that came up uh, and, you know, sort of parked in the next, you know, spot beside me. And she kind of prefaced herself and said, you know, um, I'll try not to hit you. I'm not very good. And, you know, so on and so forth. And, and I said to her, cause I, I didn't want to impose, I was on somebody else's turf. So I didn't want to impose and I asked her if she was working with somebody, and she said she really wasn't. Her husband had sort of taught her, and, and uh, so she was trying to work on, on a little bit of her game. And she said, I'm so worried about, you know, embarrassing myself. And I said, come here for a second. And I, I, I said, and there was probably about 15 other people, you know, further down. And I said, before you do anything, I want you to turn around, and I want you to look down range. And she said the very same thing that you did, Kathy, was about, you know, I don't want to look bad, and I'm worried that people are going to be looking at me. And I said, look, eight out of those 15 people are probably not hitting any better than you are. And I said, so they're just as your point to prove your point. They're focusing on their own. They're not really paying attention uh, unless you hit somebody. Um, so I said, just, you know, just work on the things I said, I, ideally you should, you know, connect with, with a golf professional and, uh, and get some proper lessons. Not that I, you know, don't think your husband's helping you, but um, unless he's a trained, you know, uh, certified uh, teacher professional, that's not the best place to, to get it from. And I think he would understand that, but, but you're right. I mean, there's always, you know, Cindy, you always refer to this as the committee of they, um, that they like to come up and everybody wants to give you some free advice. And, 
And, uh, you know, that's, you've just got to learn to say, thank you very much, but uh, I'm working with, even if you're not, just say, I'm, you know, I'm working with somebody right now and, and that's what I'm here to, to work on today. But um, Cindy, go ahead. I was just listening to you. <laughs> I'm totally right. What, Kathy, what do you say to people that the committee has, you know, like if they come back and they say, because this happens everywhere, right? Um, oh, this guy on the range, I was hitting balls, and they said, oh, you know, you're looking up. Or What do you say to that student to nicely, because you don't want to say, don't listen to them, but what do you tell that student? Well, so I, I, I listened to what they, you know, that person had told her, right, about her swing. And if, it, if it's valid or if there is some sort of legitimacy behind the advice, then I, I absolutely validate and acknowledge it. Um, but usually uh, it, it's not all correct. <laughs> so um, I will validate the parts that are correct, but then I will, you know, I, I'll explain to them, well, this part is not so right. And it probably won't do you any good if you continue to practice this specific thing. It might work right now, right? It might have worked during your practice uh, yesterday, but in the long run, it's probably going to, and it, and it likely will, right? It'll probably create either a bad habit or um, it just won't work anymore. So it's not that I will shut it down, you know, immediately, but it's just making sure that the, the student knows why something is correct and why something is incorrect, even if they're a flat-out beginner, right? Because everyone has hand-eye coordination. That's, that's why they can hit the ball. So there's some sort of athleticism there. So they'll be able to understand if I explain to them why something is correct and why something may not be correct uh, in the long term. Got it. Hmm. Very good. Um let me ask you, um, Kathy, what are some of your favorite tips that you like to give your students? And then tell us a little bit about what you're doing at the uh, 1757 uh, Golf Club. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll, I'll tell you a couple of the common tips <laughs> that I, I find myself using over and over again. Um, so number one, it's in putting. You know, the sweet spot is so underrated for a lot of beginner and intermediate golfers. So um, we, I like to give them the gate drill, just the classic gate drill. You take two golf balls or you'll take two tees, set them, you know, just enough apart where you have enough space for your putter to run back and through and work on making sure you make great contact with that sweet spot consistently over and over again. And that does wonders. I mean, you can be set up for a putt and everything is perfect and your your club may be set up at, to start at the sweet spot, but ultimately if you can't make proper impact with your putter and you don't make impact with that sweet spot, then your ball probably won't stay on the line that you want it to stay on. So um, the classic gate drill, I actually like using two golf balls better than the tees because if you hit a ball, right, if you move it, then it'll mm. it'll you can immediately see it. Um, so that's right. the first one. Um, another one that I really like is just the classic belly button drill where you take a club, you stick the butt end of the club in your belly button, stretch your arms out, hold the club um, out on the shaft, you know, where your arms are relatively straight. And just feeling the connection of your arms and the turn on the way back and on the way through and making sure that, that the butt end of the club doesn't leave your belly button. That is um, a great way for somebody, especially a beginner, to feel the body, uh, you use utilizing the body instead of just the arms and the hands. Um, and that's one that I, I find myself using a lot. And that's actually one of my most popular YouTube videos is the belly button drill. <laughs> just being able to, <laughs> to feel that body and arm connection. Yeah, I think that's a great drill as well. I, I couldn't agree more. Um, so tell us about 1757. Yeah, so 1757 is a public facility. We have um, an academy within the facility. And um, I've created a, a couple 
programs that have extended out to three levels so far, which I'm so proud of. Um, the first one, is, the program is called Women Who Golf, levels one, two, and three. Level one being somebody that just starts out, that has all of the questions, may not even have golf clubs, which we can provide for you, all the way to level three, where I take you out to the golf course. We work on course management, specialty shots, that kind of thing. Um, the next one is uh, Girls Who Golf, kind of going in line with us with the theme. Same thing, three levels. Uh, level one being a, a young lady who might just be starting out. And then the third level being out onto the golf course, someone that is competing, whether it's PJ Junior League, a U.S. Kids Tour, that kind of thing. Um, and then we also have a little program called Tiny Tees, which is for uh, ages four to six. Um, and sometimes three to six, depending on how mature the three-year-old is. Um, and that one is something that's been going on year-round. This year has been a little bit tough just because of our current situation. And I'm a little uncomfortable mm -hmm. with the little ones running around. <laughs> so we have that one on pause for now, but that one has been a really successful program as well. And then obviously the Very private good. lessons that I do there. Yep. And then the virtual lessons as well. Perfect. Um, yeah, I think it's, you know, obviously we have to make adjustments right now given our, our current environments, but it's nice to see. And, and I think Cindy would agree, you know, golf, the golf industry as a whole has been very, very fortunate in many ways. Obviously, uh, the tournaments, uh, have had a, their struggles earlier on, uh, you know, during this pandemic, but they're, you know, starting to, to, to come around again, uh, to help finish out the season, uh, but as far as instruction and, and actually being able to get out and play golf, um, our industry actually really has, has been very, very fortunate compared to obviously many others out there, and particularly in other sports. Um, so we're, we're very, very blessed, and, and everybody's been super busy, I think, this season just because of that, uh, with, with folks not having a lot to do. So um, we're, we're very, very blessed, and, and hopefully we can uh, get this resolved uh, relatively quickly in the next little bit and uh, kind of get back to normalcy for everybody. But um, we've certainly been very, very lucky in, in the golf industry uh, through this difficult time. Um, Cindy, go ahead. Do you have any, any uh, questions for uh, for Ken? I do not. I'm just so glad you were able to join us today. Thanks so much, Cindy. I really appreciate it. <laughs> I'm so happy to be chatting with you guys. Don't you love being well, in a we... public facility? I just have to I, say I that. I do. I do. It's um, it's different because I came from the private club uh, sector, but it's it's been really awesome. Just the the amount of volume that you get and just the opportunities to meet new people has been really phenomenal. Billy Cats for Golf has done a really great job um, at, with 1757. So um, I kind of walked into already a successful place, and I'm just hoping I can contribute <laughs> to that place and um, help help grow the game i'm sure you are dear great job thank yeah, you thank you um, yeah kathy does a a great job you know i've i've uh, been on their website and um you know saw the many uh advertisements for the programs that you're running and, and stuff like that and i think it's great i think you know you're you're really covering a lot of the bases and i think it's important to really you know focus in on, um, you know, especially the beginners. Um, you know, there's so many people that, especially during this difficult time, um, that have gravitated to golf because of the lack of, of other things to, you know, to be able to, to, to do functionally. And I think it's important um, for us to really, you know, grasp onto that and help them, uh, you know, get a, a good introduction to this game. So that's going to be sort of my last question in the, in the last few moments that we have um, because there have been so many people that maybe typically would not have been drawn to golf otherwise that have, you know, I hate to use the word force, but have had no other options. So they're now coming to golf. What do you think as an industry we need to really pay attention to here so that we can kind of take advantage of in a good way uh, of this new opportunity of reaching people that we might not have had access to before? What would you suggest? Yeah, um, I, you know, 
I definitely feel the the influx in new golfers and even amongst my friends who never had played golf before, they're now coming out and, you know, they've picked up a golf club and they like it. Not sure if they're going to stick with it just yet, you know, because other things will start to open Mm -hmm. up and other activities will start to open up. I think as a golf industry or just talking about golf courses specifically, it's going to be really important to keep it fresh keep programming fresh, being able to offer experiences over just plain classes or, you know, just Mm -hmm. plain lessons. I think it's going to be up to whether it's a public or a private club to, to be able to um, present themselves as a place of not just golf, but to be able to eat there, to hang out there, to be able to supply Mm -hmm. other things to keep them interested Um, And the other part is, like you guys mentioned before, uh, over a third of new golfers are women, which means Mm -hmm. we need more women in the industry and we need more female faces at golf courses. We need more diverse faces at golf courses. And those, I think, are the things that need to be caught up, so to speak. Um, I think that's where our industry might be a little bit behind is that we just haven't fully diversified yet to be able to support uh, the diverse masses. So um, being able to create an experience over just a golf golf class or a golf lesson, plus being able to provide the diversity, I think will be the key. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I think the other thing too is because I know sometimes we fall into this trap, as we all know here, um, Golf is a difficult game. It's not like many of the other games. It is more challenging to learn. Uh, and it obviously, um, for obvious reasons, it can be more costly. Um, so those are areas that obviously we have to address. I think the number one thing, if I was to look at this, in addition to, to those two, is we have to make it fun. And I don't mean just out in the golf course fun playing, but actually practicing. Um, because I'll, you know, I've been around this game a long, long time, um, and I know that even I can sometimes, if I don't keep it interesting and fresh, it can get a little boring out in the practice tee. So we've got to make it fun, be creative and be inventive so that when people do want to go and work on things that they need to work on, they can do it in sort of an fun and energetic way and not just sort of like, oh, I got to go and hit balls again today to, you know, before my next lesson. So, you know, I think that's something that we really got to do is to make it fun and attractive and say, yeah, it's going to be tough. It's going to be difficult and challenging at times, but the rewards are going to be so great, and we want to make sure you're having a good time while you're doing it. So I think those are some areas that we need to really make sure that we stay focused on um, in order to continue to grow this game. Well, Kathy, we want to thank you for joining us this morning. We appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. And very quickly, if you want to let the listeners know if they want to follow you or if they want to reach out to you, maybe some ways that they can do that. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on again, guys. I'm I'm so happy to be chatting with you about this. Um, so you guys can reach me on YouTube and just search Kathy Kim Golf. I have some videos, instructional videos up. Uh, my main social media platform is Instagram at Kathy Kim Golf. You can follow some tips I have um, before and afters of my students, um, and you can kind of follow my daily daily life, so to speak, on the stories there. And then if you want to reach out to me, uh, please go to kathykimgolf.com. You can reach out to me through my website. Perfect. Well, Kathy, again, thank you very much and keep up the great work and congratulations again on being part of the Golf Tips Magazine family. I'm looking forward to you working with all of the many other professionals that are part of it, like Cindy and and others. And um, we we wish you all the success and have a safe and... uh, eventful day out there teaching uh, some of the new beginners and and others uh, about this great game. Great. Thank you so much, Ted and Cindy. I really appreciate it. Have a wonderful day. Thanks, Kathy. You too, honey. Have a great day. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right. That was uh, Kathy Kim, our very special guest, uh, and you can find her at the 1757 Golf Club uh, up in Virginia. And uh, you can also reach out to kathykimgolf.com to get uh, her contact information if you want to follow her on social media, as she mentioned. Um, But 
Uh, great young lady, Cindy. You know what? She's really very, very um, – brings a lot of energy to the game, really enjoys it. And, um, you know, you, you can't ask for, for more than that. Absolutely. Absolutely. What a great kid. Yeah, young woman, I, I couldn't agree say. more. She's... That's right. Um, well, to, uh, to me, anyways, she probably is a kid. But, yeah, uh, I hear you. All right, so we want to thank everybody for joining in, and uh, we appreciate it. Next week we will return with a uh, the current winner of uh, another Symmetra Tour event and another great guest, so make sure you tune in to the Women of Golf next week. On behalf of Cindy Miller, I'm Ted Odorico. God bless everybody, and have a great week. Thanks, Cindy. Thanks, Ted. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening this morning to the Women of Golf Show. Tune in live each week by visiting blogtalkradio.com forward slash women of golf or on any of these social media platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, CastBox, TalkStream Live, and of course Spotify. If you can't join us live, check out our on-demand section for previously aired broadcasts. To get updates for future shows and upcoming guests, you can follow us on Facebook at Women of Golf. You can also follow me on Twitter at Ted and Buck CEO and Cindy at Cindy Miller Golf. Please remember to join us next week on the Women of Golf Show. See you next time. This has been a production of the iGolf Sports Network.